Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Recovery Talk, a podcast from the Peer Recovery Center of Excellence. I'm your host, Shannon Roberts. Each month, we'll be talking with an expert in the field, discussing substance use challenges, resources to assist individuals with substance use challenges and or their families, and best practices for the delivery of peer recovery support services. This month, I'm bringing you another conversation with one of our organizational stakeholders. I have the privilege and joy of talking with Donald Gunther of Mary Hall Freedom Village. Stay tuned for stories from the field. And without further ado, let's get talking. Well, hi, everyone. I'm here with Donald Gunther of Mary Hall Freedom Village. Donald, welcome to the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about you and and then uh, where you work? Sure. Uh, first, if you don't mind, I'd like to first thank God, my higher power. Uh, next, uh, I employed at Mary Hall Freedom Village and uh, Miss Lucy and SAMHSA for providing us with our second five-year grant, allowing me to help those in recovery and the families. Uh, I am here in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, I'm originally from New York, um, and um, by God's grace, I'm finding my purpose. So I'm thankful. Thank you, Donald. Do you want to tell us a little bit about Mary Hall Freedom Village, how it got started, and what it looks like today? Sure. Uh, if you don't mind, Mary Hall Freedom Village started uh, around 1996. It's a recovery process that assisted more than 15,000 of women and their families. It's a gender-specific treatment facility center for women and PPWs, women battling substance use and mental health uh, disorders. Uh, since that time, Mary Hall Freedom House has now become a village. And if I may, under Miss Lucy, uh, introduce her. Uh, she's a founder and CEO that turned the house into a village, thanks to Miss Lucy and her commitment for her purpose. Mary Hall Freedom Village has provided an evidence-based treatment program, residential housing, community transitional housing, work-ready programs, aftercare, IOP, daycare shelter for the homeless and still remains an integral part of the recovery community here in Georgia and beyond. Um, it's a blessing, uh, to be honest, for, for me uh, in this stage, I would say, in my life uh, to be able to help those uh, family members as well as those who are been battled with mental health and substance abuse. Uh, so, and as you said, I am Donald Gunther. And I'm the family father advocate for the RISE program here at Mary Hall Freedom Village. I'm also a Connecticut Community for Addiction Recovery Coach Professional Facilitator, a Georgia Certified Peer Specialist Mental Health, and now a stakeholder committee member with the Peer Recovery Center of Excellence. Thank you. If you don't mind, I'll speak a little bit about my re what recovery looks like for me now since uh I, if I may say, I was unknowingly being emotionally detached <laughs> or paralyzed, uh, undiagnosed with a mental health disorder that came from a family disease, better known as addiction. Uh, a lot was due to my uh, impoverished upbringing, uh, many life lessons. I was told that time will heal wounds. And to be honest, for an African-American young boy at that time, it was difficult to comprehend. I am a proud child. I'm an adult child of an alcoholic who also happens to be a World War II veteran. 
uh, and dad, who was married to my mom. And again, I'm number eight out of 10, <laughs> five boys, five girls. Uh, dad was a World War II veteran, as I stated, who uh, came home and, um, and I remembered, came home and developed, or I should say, uh, in, in picked up addiction and or mental health uh, disorders. Uh, he, he was challenged, like many veterans, and this is where I, probably my passion has come from. Because uh, dad, uh, dad, he had a voice but didn't use his voice. Uh, he used alcohol, to be honest, his coping mechanism. And in reality, uh, didn't know at that time it was alcohol and nicotine. <laughs> so didn't know that there was an addiction. And uh, if I may say, uh, that's how uh, I realized that my adverse childhood experiences became PTSD. And that was after he left, passed on, because I was 27 when he passed. And uh, that's when I realized that uh, this is a family disease. So my traumatic events introduced me to my pain. And that now that I'm learning the process, it ultimately my recovery bringing me to my power has led me to my purpose. So I have uncomfortably grown through the pathways of recovery and able to help myself as well as those peers uh, with my um, ability, I think, God granted, uh, ability to build rapport and, and become a, a recovery coach, uh, certified peer specialist, and being able to motivate those uh, who also might be challenged. Uh, with addiction and or mental health. Um, so in 2019, that's when I left New York, my comfort zone, as I would say. I relocated to Atlanta and was blessed to be hired at Mary Hall Freedom Village as the father family advocate. Uh, my epiphany, which actually would be me, <laughs> due to the inheritance of my dysfunctional learned behaviors, hindsight, the mess in me is what I had no emotional intelligence, which became my rites of passage. Now in my recovery, I'm able to stay in the solution and my lived experiences, which now includes Mary Hall Freedom Village, the Recovery Coach Center of Excellence, uh, by giving me a, pro a platform to heal and reveal and to help those family members as well as the recovery community. Um, so if I may say, as a peer specialist, uh, recovery has allowed me to value the uncomfortable journey and stay in the solution. And I uh, hear the message that my father's behavior was saying loud and clear, although at that time it was deafening sounds like of the deafening sounds of denial. But metaphorically speaking, since dad would not complain or open his mouth about the inequities or inequalities, so he taught me how to cope while he was consuming his alcohol on only that Friday evenings. So I'll say um, being a voice for the voiceless is, more, is what motivated me, uh, especially now in a time where culture believes that silence is a virtue. My silence kept me still and ultimately ill. My silence was a part of my inheritance and was my underlying condition in the family history. Now, with a first-generation college graduate from Auburn University, that's my son, Isaiah, uh, in 2021. Uh, also motivates me uh, to to help with fam this family disease. Isaiah is learning how to write his story instead of repeat history. Uh, if I can say recovery requires resilience, repetition, relationship, respect, and reciprocity. 
I want to tell all my peers about the greatest metaphor in the world, and that's recovery. Recovery is like being beautifully broken. To my peers, Recovery Center of Excellence and Stake Hall Committee, I ask you that you continue to unconditionally provide support for all those who are challenged with SUD and mental health disorders. To the recovery community, familiarize yourself with an evidence-based curriculum that treats everyone like a resource, asks good questions, roll with resistance, and teaches you to manage your own moments. That's the Connecticut Community for Addiction Recovery Coaching Academy, which is CCAR. To the community project, last, continue to assist and empower peers by helping them to find resources to provide a platform for other certified peer specialists, uh, such as myself and leaders, some uh, to help to commence workshops and podcasts such as this one for family members to heal from their emotional scars. Uh, to the recovery community, clinicians, coaches, sponsors, and all professionals, the most important continued educational units are CEUs, compassion, empathy, and understanding, and they're free. Uh, I would like to say to Mark Sanders and Michael King, which you, you know, uh, those two guys have been kind of very influential uh, to me um, over my years. I got to hear Mark uh, in 2019 at the NADOC, con NADOC conference, and uh, I followed uh, Mike, Mr. King Michael as well um, in regards to his work and efforts and what he's done for peers, and they just helped me, this man that I am becoming, uh, to be emotionally um, stable with myself and my own uncomfortabilities. Uh, and last but not least, to Miss Lucy and Dr. Sherman, thank you for the platform. Uh, Miss Lucy, and thank you, Dr. Sherman, for the psychoeducational materials that you continue to teach me and motivational interviewing skills, as well as the unpositive regards that you've shown to me and without judgment. And last but not least, thank you, Shan, for uh, this time and allowing me to continuously grow uncomfortably, I may say, but it's grow. Thank you for sharing all of that, Donald. That was beautifully, beautifully put together and what an incredible story. Um, I would say, that's why I say, I, 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 in, in finding self these past four or five years, I developed a passion for writing. It's very therapeutic, uh, mm. journaling, uh, because again, the voice, not that the, it wasn't a voice, sometimes you didn't feel safe with the voice. And uh, I'm real recognizing that I'm able to uh, have a relationship with this pen and paper, that I'm faithful to the pen and then the paper, and it doesn't give me any 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 remorse or pushback. It's actually very, uh, it's it frees me. It's therapeutic, and, and I, 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 that's why I say I thank you for the platform and the time, because uh, so always, it's sometimes it's hard to communicate, especially as men. Uh, we don't always articulate it right mm -hmm. with our words. And uh, we're in a society now that uncomfortable needs to be addressed. Uh, we don't, we can we can overreact by underreacting because if it's not being said, if it's not being said, this is now this is when this is when the trauma comes complex because you're compounding hurt pain over 
history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you don't mind, I'd like to back up a little bit. What um, inspired your move from New York to Georgia? Ooh, man. Uh, wow, that's a great question. If so it's too big of a question, short. we can move on. <laughs> At all. Long story short, that's what I said. So, you know, I'm, I'm finding my uncomfortable. Uh, dad, dad, as a junior in high school, he, he, he dropped out. And uh, after a couple of years in college, Brown Jr., I dropped out. Isaiah, in 2019, was a junior at Auburn. And subconsciously, that was been in the back of my mind. And history has a tendency to repeat mm-hmm. itself. And that year, now you're, you're literally hearing first time uh, what kind of motivated me to leave and want to come closer to, to him. And that's without even telling him at that time <laughs> why I just didn't want history repeating. And, and I didn't, I was just being uncomfortable, but I didn't want him to one, come back to, to comfort. As I said, that comfort zone can trick us into uh, complacency. And remember, addiction is a brain disease that leads to compulsive behavior. So brain disease, complacency, anger, just not changing. Oof. So that kind of motivated me. And then uh, God's grace, Miss Lucy, uh, in reality, we grew up on the same block. And I didn't recognize in real life how big Mary Hall was. And she came home. She was coming home. At, we're at the age now. And she was coming home and attending funerals. And she, we started talking. And at that time, which I still have a passion for, I did a lot of coaching and mentoring uh, youth sports with kids. And, and I had a program. And she was like, oh, I, I got something for you. So I, and, and all, yeah, in all honesty, I just on faith. Because uh, I left. It was just the right time, you know. Uh, so here at the uh, Mary Hall Freedom Village, just, I had I was always able to play sports, coach sports, and it's not sports, but I'm able to build rapport. And and this, and the reality is, you know, in building rapport, you can counsel, you can coach, you can. Now I'm learning to express myself with it and, and put a put a, a face to the to the story. And in many cases, that's why I say metaphorically speaking, everybody learns different. You can put a picture to these to some of our recovery and some of our lived experiences, so the ladies are able to to see it. Very neat. Do you want to talk a little bit about the fam? Is it your role again? It's the family father advocate. Sure. Family, as a family father advocate, I've been blessed, blessed, truly blessed to um, reach out to family members that who are part of their system of care, healthy system of care. Uh, we would like for uh, co-parenting, uh, you know, with the dads, uh, I'm able to introduce addiction and any other wrappers, wraparound services that they might need, family members, that is, because uh, at, in, in, 
engaging and in educating the ladies, empowering them. You also would like to empower the soil family members in which they might be returning home to. And if it's a family disease, in many cases, family members didn't even, they didn't recognize some of their traumas. They didn't recognize that they're still grieving their parents. Uh, other uh, people, places, and things, triggers, activators. So the depths of, of, of this disease, as well as oof, the underlying conditions of codependency. So that therein lies, they see behaviors, they see anger, I think of the iceberg, but no one pays attention, not too many pays attention to the underlying conditions. So this is just, uh, it's an opportunity. Um, it's an opportunity to uh, engage and empower uh, families that are affected because we don't need we don't need history repeating. And, and as we're learning, recovery is a learned behavior. When did you start with Mary Hall? It was Mary Hall Freedom House first, and then it became a village. Where in the timeline did you fit in? Oh, in, in 19, in 2019, I, I moved. When I moved down, I just jumped right in. Uh, it's just kept expanding. Like, it's just... It continues to grow. I mean, in all honesty, oof, it's a one-stop shop. We can get everything here. As I stated, I mean, it's day treatment, uh, IOP, residential housing. It's 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 a blessing. Daycare, shelter for homeless, work programs, aftercare, and and if it's 1996, this is evidence based. So it's speaking for itself. Mm -hmm. What would you want to tell organizations that are still just a house and wanting to become a village? What would you tell them? Ooh, that's a great question. That's a great question. Uh, I, I am, I'm big, I'm big with unconditional. So you're hearing me. I'm so fresh with you. Un UPR, unconditional positive regard. I think accepting people where they are without judgment. Again, uh, as simple as what happened opposed to what's wrong. We are human. And humans have emotions. And no one's emotions should be minimized. And whether you see confidence, you do not know what's inside of, of that. Of that, I don't want to say facade, but you don't know what's inside. You know, not until now that I recognize or some of these ladies recognize we've been beautifully broken. So th through, the, for me, treasure, I'm seeing now the treasures of my darkness. And that is a process that has that has taken time. You know, so I, I would say, uh, again, treat those how one would want to be treated and respect those. And even if you have, because, uh, again, in many cases, we only know as much as we've seen. And in reality, we've had eyesight, but what happened to the insight? Because that's what's a vision. You know, everything that we see does not 
turn out to be true or real. So again, I, I'm a believer of, of compassion, empathy, and understanding, and definitely without judgment, because the judgment prevents a lot from speaking. You know, I mean, abuse comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors, and I, if I may say, psychological abuse to me was the worst, because it, 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 um, it acted as if they cared, but not until you realize that, ooh, ooh, that was, and then again, you don't, you know, again, getting out of your comfort zone. And God bless her, Dr. Sherman. So I hope she'll listen to the podcast or will be listening because she did not know that she changed me with that. Uh, you're not going to grow until you're uncomfortable. And if I may say a little backdrop to that was because I, I kind of grew up in a, I, you know, I grew up in an area that, you know, was it wasn't predominantly light white, but the schoolings were as I played a lot of sports. And so we all, my brothers and I, we all had our own Jackie Robinson story. So it always just seemed to always fit, fit in every situation. Like I was, I uh, was the minority. I was different. And even coming to Mary Hall Village, gender specific. I'm like, wow. And then I'm starting classes and I happen to be at that time the only African-American male. And again, this is a profession that it, it should see more African-American males. And uh, I don't know if she saw it in my face, but she whispered after first class <laughs> that your growth is not going to come until you're uncomfortable. And I didn't know what she meant by it, but by the third class, I smiled back at her, and since then I have been smiling and hugging and just commending her because, hell, I didn't even know she has a relationship with my son, who she started mentoring and, 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 and helping after 19, when after the whole George Floyd stuff, Isaiah developed tinnitus, and he, she was counseling him. I never even knew until a year later. So I just, I just think that uh, those words, and every time I get into a little pickle, uh, I have to take a deep breath, and that's my uncomfortable. Just put the seatbelt on and be prepared for growth. So I, I'm, I'm very big on diversity, and I'm just big on treating people like we're all you. Beautifully said. Well, Donald, we're getting to the top of the hour is there anything else you'd like to add to um or offer our listeners before we wrap up no just uh continue to uh understand that uh recovery is progression not perfection um accept people where they are um i again i, I me with my acronyms and metaphors so you know how heck me me mess message messenger i learned to to understand who me through my mess through the mess i got a message and now by god's grace uh platforms like this and i i do uh continue to talk with mark and Hopefully, uh, Mr. King, I'll be speaking to him soon. I would like for them to just continue to, to encourage me and 
show me how to start and do this, what you're doing. I would love podcasts for, because this is a, our voices need to be heard and recovery needs to be heard and seen. And in recoveries in many shapes, sizes, and colors, so many pathways. And this right here, uncomfortable, is that, you know, there were family secrets. This wasn't something that, I mean, I know my father's looking down. This is something that hasn't always been the conversations. <laughs> but there's that uncomfortable. And if we don't be uncomfortable, then nothing changes if nothing changes. So I, I just thank you. And please forgive me if I email you and say, I want to do something. And I don't know, but I just sometimes need good gas. And you ladies and you, the ones that I follow and look at, you're the gas station. Good gas. That's what I'll say. You help me with my opinion. <laughs> uh, I'm flattered. Thank you, Donald. Thank you. Thank you for connecting with us, listeners. Our goal in sharing stories and information is to provide hope and resources to the field of peer recovery. Please join us again next month on Recovery Talk. You can find our episodes on our website, peerrecoverynow.org. That's peerrecoverynow.org, or wherever you find your podcasts. The Peer Recovery Center of Excellence is funded by the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration to enhance peer recovery support services by expanding access to training and technical assistance services across the country. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the official policies of the Department of Health and Human Services, nor does mention of trade names, commercial practices, or organizations imply endorsement by the U.S. government. Talk with you next time. <laughs>